Good morning. It's good to see you, and it's good to be here. Um, I can't help but think as we, the words that we sang in the first service, it really struck me as we sang, uh, more than all comfort, Jesus is better. That means that it is better for us to be walking through something like COVID with Jesus than to have no COVID and no Jesus. He is with us. And I know, I know we're all kind of worn out and tired of COVID and people are tired of talking about it and we're tired of dealing with it. Um, <clears throat> and I just wanna say, uh, I know many of our church family, uh, even this week, are having to stay home and watch and different exposures and all sorts of things. I was there last week worshiping from home and uh, having to do the same thing. And, and I just wanna say uh, to you guys, we miss you. Uh, to, to the rest of us, man, I'm, I, I'm sorry. I hate that we're, we're still... Uh, walking through this, but I, but I also want to acknowledge that there, uh, one of the things that I, I think is is we've seen in every facet of life, but we see in the church is that there is a uh, diversity of convictions even within our own body as to what uh, the, what that looks like, how you walk through something like this. And on behalf of the elders, I, I just want to reiterate that that we're committed to doing what we can. Uh, to make it possible for us to continue to, to meet, to continue to gather uh, for as many of us as possible to do so and to do so safely. Um, but I, I do know that there is, there is a variety of views and thoughts and all those things. Um, and so I wanted to say, if, 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 you, if you feel disconnected, if you, if you haven't spoken with the elders, man, reach out to us. We'd love to talk to you. Um, we wanna help you remain connected to the church family, even those of you who aren't here uh, with us today. And, and as, as we shared, as we, the letter we sent out last week, I wanna just reiterate part of what we said there, which is that I, that I hope that at the end of all this, we'll, we, will, we will not be able to say, man, I was right, or you were right, or we were wrong, or I was, you, were, you were wrong about masks or about any of those precautions, but rather that the unity that we experience with one another, with brothers and sisters, even with those with whom we disagree, would, man, it would, it would stand in stark contrast to a lot of division that's around us. And so that's my prayer for us. That's the elder's prayer for us. Um, and that's our, our hope today. Um, I want to give you one other thing before we jump into the text this morning. Uh, we're, we're beginning uh, this week, this month, uh, as we head into February, we're starting a, uh, a campaign. So we don't, we don't talk like campaigns. We don't do a lot of campaigns around here. Uh, not a building campaign. This is a, a campaign about loving your neighbor. It's called Love Thy Neighbor. In fact, in a couple of weeks, we're going we're gonna to look at the, the great commandment in the scriptures and what does it mean uh, to love your neighbor as yourself? Uh, what does it mean to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength? Um, and so, but this month we're saying for the next 28 days, we, we wanna encourage you to challenge you to say, how can I love my neighbor well? How can I love the one nearest to me well? How can I show them uh, the love of Jesus? Um, I know that's a revolutionary idea that we would love our neighbors. Um, and so, so as, as you leave today, there, we have a, a new, ta- our outreach deacons, we've, we've asked them to help us in this area. We've asked them to help us. How, do, how, how Will you help us keep on the forefront of our minds uh, the need for evangelism, the need to share the love of Jesus with our neighbors? And so whether you're talking about your next door neighbor, your neighbor at work, whoever it is that the Lord has placed in your life, um, how over the next month could you be creative in reaching them with the love of Jesus, of demonstrating kindness to them um, so that you might show them Christ's love? 
And so uh, as you leave today, uh, if you haven't already, stop by. There's an outreach table over by the, the, the front door, uh, the glass doors as you leave uh, with a little, just a little flyer here with just some ideas, some creative ideas. Here's some ways that you might be able to, to engage with your neighbor, engage with a friend who doesn't know Jesus um, and to show them the love of Christ. So uh, we wanna encourage you in that. I can't wait to hear kind of the stories of how God will use that in our church. And we wanna continue to, to make that uh, what we do as we make much of Jesus, so. All right, well, let's, let's jump in now to our, to our uh, passage this morning, 1 Peter 5. So I, I think we all remember uh, the moment when, as a kid, you were going along, minding your own business, and your kid feet, which weren't quite up to speed yet with life, they tripped over themselves, and you buckled at the knee, and what hit the ground? that knee just scraped along with the grooves of the, of the concrete cutting into your knee and those jagged lines of skin getting cut, cut up a little bit and then there's the blood and then usually the screaming. Um, and of course, maybe, you, maybe the, the bleeding stops and it calms down. But I think one of the worst things about the, the knee scrape uh, was knowing that there was a solution coming and the solution almost seemed a little worse than the problem. Uh, that you'd have to sit up on the kitchen counter. I don't know if you had this experience. And mom or dad had to put peroxide on your cut. This seems worse. Why am I having to go through the torture now of this? I've already been hurt. Would you leave me alone? Um, And then there's the next terrifying solution step, which is you need to get this thing in the bath. Oh man, I gotta get this thing under the water and there's the burn, here it comes. After an injury... The solution doesn't always feel like a solution. Uh, Even lasting fixes sometimes seem more troublesome uh, than they do a help. And you know, there's there's the broken arm, man, surely that was bad, but now there's the sling, there's this cast that's rubbing a blister. Uh, But in God's sovereignty, uh, he does this. He uses unexpected instruments as a means of grace in our lives to help set bones, to help bring healing to us. And as we approach this final chapter of First Peter, God is going to, we're going to see some unexpected instruments uh, that are a means of his grace. And, and in a book that's all about uh, our identity as aliens, as strangers, as sufferers, this world is not our home. We should expect suffering. Uh, that, that Yes, you've, you've got to look to Jesus. He's your living hope in the midst of suffering. That the great shepherd is coming but even now, as you weigh, Peter's going to tell us, there's, there, here's a means of grace in your suffering, and it is elders. <laughs> That's what we got. Uh, come again, Peter. Tell me, tell me again what you were saying here. Um, God's grace and suffering shows up for me in the form of an elder board. Uh, that seems like a stretch, Peter. You're going to have to explain this. Uh, but Peter knows that when the flock of God suffers, when they experience harm and pain, disappointment and persecution, that they'll need to be tended. They'll need to be comforted, to, encourage, to be encouraged. When sheep suffer, they need good shepherds. So as, as Peter writes to the churches, they're scattered throughout Asia Minor. He, he's exhorted the sheep to hang in there, to entrust yourself to God. And, and now he takes his focus off of the sheep and he begins to speak to the shepherds. And Peter tells the shepherds, hey, look, there are, there are sheep in need, some who are alone 
and confused, who are afraid. And so I'm gonna urge you, shepherd them. Don't draw back. They need you now. So from our text today, we're gonna see four things about the leaders of Christ's church. Number one, the task of the elder. Number two, the heart of the elder. Number three, the chief elder. And number four, hope for us all. Let me pray for us. Father, by your great grace to us, you have called us your own. You have been a great shepherd to us, one who's loved us well, one who's been so kind to us. And Father, would you help us now as your sheep, your people, to hear your word, to believe what you have said to us, to look together to Jesus, to set our hopes upon him. Father, this is the work that you accomplish in our hearts. You bring this about by your spirit. So we need you today. We are hopeless apart from you. Would you, would you help us? And we ask all this in Christ's name, amen. So number one, the task of the elder. He says in verse one, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and witness to the sufferings of Christ as well as one who shares in the glory about to be revealed. So Peter is speaking to the elders and he's saying, I'm, I'm one of you. I want you to think back to the, to the breakfast that, that, that Peter had with Jesus. If you don't know the story, uh, Peter, he sat and ate breakfast with the back from the dead, risen Jesus. They sat on the beach. And, and what did Jesus tell them as they ate? He asked Peter, he said, he asked a question. He said, do you love me? Of course I love you, Jesus. And then he, he asked that a few times. And each time he followed up with a command and he said to Peter, if you love me, Peter, feed my little ones, feed my lambs. And then after he asked him again, he, he said again, Peter, shepherd my sheep. This is, this is incredible, isn't it? God throughout scripture has used this shepherding metaphor uh, for people who, who would care for his people, David and Moses, these are referred to as shepherds. The coming Messiah was pictured a, as a shepherd uh, in Isaiah. And when Jesus was on the scene, he, he even said, I'm the good shepherd. And so uh, Peter, even just a couple chapter, chapters ago, calls Jesus the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. We all like sheep have gone astray, right? Seeking our own way. But Jesus, the good shepherd, he's the one who leaves the 99 and seeks after the one. He comes for us. And so now Jesus looks at Peter and says, okay, now you, it's your turn. Shepherd my sheep. And I love Peter's humility as he's writing here. He's saying, I want you to listen to me, not because I'm an apostle. He doesn't even reference his apostleship here. He just says, I'm one of you. I'm a fellow elder, a fellow shepherd. My life is about Jesus, just like yours. All my hope for glory is in him. The same is your hope. And so now Peter, who had been tasked by Jesus to shepherd Christ's sheep, he turns and he looks at the elders of Christ's church. And he says to them, he says, feed my sheep. He tells the elders, shepherd the flock of God. He's saying, I'm getting old. I'm getting old and, and you need to pick up the mantle. The Lord allowed me to shepherd his flock and now it's your turn. So he says to the pastors and elders, shepherd God's flock. And I, I love this phrase. He says, I exhort the elders, shepherd God's flock 
among you. So I want, to, I want us to consider those three phrases. He says, I exhort you to shepherd. So he, I exhort the elders, and that word in, is presbyteros. This is the Greek word where we get the term Presbyterian. If, if This kind of tells us something about our denominations. Uh, he says, I exhort the elders to shepherd. That's the word pastor, uh, poimen, a shepherd, the flock of God. And then in the very next phrase, he says, shepherd the flock of God, how? He says, by oversight, by exercising oversight, overseeing the flock. And this, this literally means to see over. This is where we get our, the word for, the Greek word for episcopal, episkopos. And so some, some have taken throughout church history, took this word uh, um, for overseeing and turned it into a different role, um, that it would be a bishop, one who oversees many uh, churches. Uh, but the New Testament is saying, no, this isn't one who, this isn't one who oversees organizations, this overseer. This is a shepherd term. This is one who oversees the flock of God. The New Testament is gonna use these three words interchangeably uh, to describe the leaders of the local church. And, and so, although some have used them to describe to diff, different people in different roles, Peter's laying it out right here. I exhort the elders, shepherd or pastor the flock and oversee them. This is the, er, the early church was borrowing uh, in God's word. He's, he's using terminology uh, from, er, from the Jewish culture in, in their leadership, the elders. But now God's saying this task of elder, those who lead the church, they're actually shepherds. They feed and they care for the sheep. They're not merely teachers. They're pastors who, who know the sheep and they're overseeing shepherds. To rightly shepherd the flock, an elder, a pastor must stand on the hill and must peer out over the flock, seeing approaching dangers, identifying straying sheep and setting a course for the green pastures ahead. And so this is why we use these terms, uh, elder and pastor, we'll use them interchangeably because the New Testament does it. I always say this in our membership class. I, I think if we, if we took all of our cultural baggage about church leadership, which we, I know we can't do, um, and if we were stranded on um, a, a deserted island uh, with only the scriptures as our guide, I don't think there's any chance we would read the Bible and come away with the idea, you know what we really need as a group of Christians? We need some elders, and then we need some other folks to pastor us. And, and maybe like our Anglican or Methodist brothers and sisters, we also need some bishops to oversee different groups of us. No, Peter and Paul are using these words interchangeably. And here we, in chapter five, I think is one of the best examples in the scriptures when Peter says, what, what the church really needs are elders who will pastor and oversee the flock. And so just as Jesus commanded Peter I commissioned him as an under-shepherd of, of the great shepherd. Peter looks at the elders now and says, shepherd. So shepherd who? Shepherd God's flock. So for all, all, the, all the shepherding imagery in scripture, I, I couldn't think of a single time where uh, a, a spiritual shepherd uh, of God's people is, has ownership or takes ownership of the sheep. Now the, the, the flock of God is, is an entrustment. Uh, the shepherds are stewards of God's church. The flock of God's not a company, not a project. A church plant isn't a business startup, something uh, to be managed. No, the flock belongs to God. He loves the sheep. He, he, Jesus refers to the church as his bride. He loves us. We are his loved ones and he is our beloved. 
The shepherd of God's flock should be as, as so overcome by Christ's love for them that they love the sheep too. Because what Jesus loves, they love. Therefore, when one of the sheep is missing, elders must lament. They must seek them just as the good shepherd came to seek uh, the straying sheep. But in all this, the sheep still are God's. There's no better shepherd uh, than Christ. Only he truly gathers sheep. Only he can actually atone for sin. And so he says to them, shepherd the flock of God among you. Don't shepherd another flock. Don't shepherd the sheep that you wish you had, elders. No, shepherd the sheep that are among you is what he's saying to them. Man, what, what a temptation in this modern world of church, um, the, the, the world of pastoring and, and the world of Christians. I think there's a temptation to live as though you have no shepherds. In fact, I think the modern Christian may say, well, I've got this pastor that I listen to here. Um, and then I listen to this pastor's podcast there. Um, but, but what do the scriptures tell us? The scriptures say to follow your leaders, not a guy on a podcast. Why? Because your leaders are those who have been charged by God to keep watch over your soul. The same temptation also exists for pastors. With social media and conferences and Twitter feeds, the lure may be, who else out there can I shepherd? Who else will listen to me? What others might benefit by what I might have to say? And man, what a blessing the internet is. I am so thankful for all the Tim Keller and John Piper and Matt Chandler sermons that I've been able to go out. And many of you have gone and listened to pastors who can preach, who, who, who can encourage us over the internet. That's great. But just as John Piper hasn't been charged with pastoring me, God hasn't called the pastor as a redeemer to shepherd those who just tune into the podcast or who follow a Twitter feed. No, we're to shepherd those who are among us the ones who are with us, the ones who say, this is my home. You are my pastors. So, we're to, so the pastors are, are to shepherd God's flock, the ones among you. This is the task of the elder. Next, Peter uh, looks to, number two, the heart of the elder. Peter's gonna hit th three quick phrases that I think speak to what an elder loves. And he says, he says this, he says, shepherd the flock, not overseeing out of compulsion, but willingly as God would have you. The shepherd wants to shepherd the sheep. He isn't on the clock. He isn't pastoring from a place of guilt or obligation. His will, his heart is bent toward the sheep. And then he says, not out of greed for money, but eagerly. He's, he's no hired hand is what Peter is saying. Scripture warns against shepherds who who love money, or his primary motive is money. Certainly being paid for the work of a pastor is not shameful. That's not, there's nothing wrong with it. I'm, I'm thankful that the church employs me, that the church pays me. Praise God that our church can pool its resources together and pay some of our pastors to be part of our church staff. Even Paul advocated for pastors to be compensated, that those who lead well are worthy of double honor. Jesus says something similar. He says a, a worker is worth his wage. But however, if, if money is the aim for a pastor, if money becomes the goal, if shameless desire for money is the aim, what will a hired hand do when a wolf comes? 
Will he run? What will he do when the sheep bite him? Sheep do those sorts of things. Will he strike back? Sheep, sheep can be ornery. A hired hand says, man, this isn't worth it. I don't need this. And in fact, I've seen it. I've seen a lot, even lately, a lot of pastors who, uh, just, who are dropping, pulling out of ministry because, man, they're going, man, just, just leading through COVID has been such a difficult experience. They're going, man, I, I just can't. I don't, I don't, I'm not gonna do that anymore. But a shepherd, he serves eagerly. He's no hired hand. He'll be patient with ornery sheep. He's gonna correct them with gentleness. A shepherd will stand between the wolf and the flock, driving away the danger, putting himself in harm's way for the sheep. Listen, the burdens an elder will carry, that a pastor carries, uh, the weight of straying sheep, the burden of crumbling marriages, horrific sins that have to be corrected, rebuked, counseled, difficult decisions that some, some sheep may not understand, sheep who abuse one another or who abuse the shepherds. So sometimes they're just sheep who don't want to be shepherded. An elder must be steadfast. He must be prepared for opposition, unwavering with his hand to the plow, ready to carry the burdens of the role eagerly. As we've invited some new men into this uh, elder candidate role, that's pretty amazing how God timed this all up. This passage came right after we did that. that was, we didn't plan that. Um, but, but I think as, as, as elders uh, are new and they consider this role, I think sometimes it's a shock to consider the degree to which part of the role sometimes is suffering through difficulty and, and carrying heavy Burdens, and, and this is why, as as we assess new elders and as we walk them through that sort of process, some of that process is almost like trying to uh, trying to talk them out of it, um, so that just so that they might count the cost. But as just as Christ endured suffering for the joy set before Him, an elder must be eager and ready to suffer with Jesus. And then He says in verse three, "Not lording it over those entrusted to you." but being examples to the flock. Not lording it over. This, this hopefully probably maybe draws your mind back to Matthew uh, chapter 20. If you remember this story when James and John, they've, they've come to Jesus and they've, they're asking Jesus questions about, hey man, what, what's this new kingdom gonna be like? Can we like have some power with you? Do we get to be at your right hand? Their mom's there with them, which is a funny scene. Um, and, and Jesus says this to them. He says, and he says it to all the apostles. He says, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And those in high positions act as tyrants over them. It must not be like that among you. On the contrary, whoever wants to become great among you must become your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave, just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And just like Peter had heard those words of Jesus as he looked him in the eye, now Peter turns and says to the pastors, to the elders, don't lord your authority. Don't lord your authority. Just as you are a steward of the sheep, this authority is not yours either. It belongs to God. And yes, the sheep are to be subject to the shepherds, 
But rather than a ruler, Peter says, elders must look to the example of the chief shepherd. You need to lead like him. You need to become a servant like him to lay your life down as Jesus did. An elder must not appeal to position to demand obedience. By God's grace, I pray you'll, you'll never hear the elders of Redeemer say, do this. Well, why? Because we said so. We're the elders. No, this would be lording authority. Do you know who I am? You will obey. No, this is appealing to position rather than to God's word. Now, we'll talk about the obligation of the sheep in just a minute, but for an elder, authority must not be a weapon. Jesus said, that's the way the world wields authority. But it must not be that way in the church. Why? Because God has served us. The most powerful, the most authoritative one in the universe served. And he served you and he served me. He could have demanded worship. He could have forced his way, but instead Jesus laid himself down. Rather than than rule with a fist, he stretched his hands out and they were pierced. And if if he did not appeal to his great authority, then how can the under shepherds, the the little small pea pastors, how can they do so? A shepherd must point the sheep to Jesus and say, look how he has served us. See what he has called us to, what he demands of us. See how his love has wrecked my life and wrecked yours, even if imperfectly. See how it leads me to serve others, even you. And so just as Paul says, we're to say, anyone who leads us to say, now imitate me, but only as I imitate Christ. Christ has been too kind to us all. And these are the sorts of shepherds that the church so badly needs. Those who lead in lowliness, in humility, rather than by power. And this is why we assess elders, why the church must protect uh, the role, the office of elder, because humility is a very difficult trait to develop. But it is one that the Lord can increase in us, can grow in us. But it is one that is tough, that is hard to grow in. I saw a great article from a pastor named John Stark, who's a pastor in, uh, at Apostles Church in New York City. Uh, he put out a great article this week about, uh, about leading. Um, and he said this about spiritual authority. He said, spiritual authority is very dangerous to give someone who isn't humble. And once you have power, it's extremely difficult to form humility if you do not have it already. Power is not the place to form virtue, but to display it. And so Redeemer, this is the charge to all of us, but this is the charge given to your elders, to your pastors, the heart that your elders must display. And how will they do it? Why will they do it? Look who's coming. Number three, he picks it up in verse four. He says, when the chief shepherd appears, the chief elder The true and better senior pastor, the elder of elders, he's coming. The end is near, Peter has been telling us. It won't be long. And you will never know a pastor like him. I don't care if you think the elders at Redeemer are the godliest men you've ever met, and we aren't. 
Um, I don't care if you say, man, you guys are nice, but, but my old pastor, man, he was great. I'm sure he was. But you have never been pastored. You will never be pastored. You'll never know a shepherd like the chief shepherd Jesus. He is the true overseer. He is the one who's able to look out over all the sheep, not just those among us. And he didn't do it out of compulsion. No, he willingly gave himself. He said in John 10, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He said, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own. And he didn't serve us out of creed. He served us eagerly. 2 Corinthians 8 says, though he was rich for your sake, he became poor. So that by his poverty, you might become rich. And he didn't lord his authority over us. Though he was the only one, only one in the universe who could have demanded allegiance. Instead, he was an example. Rather than demanding perfect love, he showed it. He lived it for us. He gave us the ability to walk in it. So Peter says, when the chief shepherd appears, you'll receive the unfading crown of glory. There is a certain amount of glory that can be gained on this earth by being a leader. But Peter is saying something profound here. He is imploring us, run away from glory now. Push away acclaim. It, it's, it is great and okay uh, for folks to um, admire and respect pastors. There are many that I admire and respect. We're to give honor to them, scripture says. But for shepherds, we must know this. For the pastors of Redeemer, we must remember this, that glory will come when Jesus does. He is the aim. He is our prize. Pastors are called to lead others to adore Christ, to adore him. Don't point people to yourself. Point people to Jesus. And number four, this is the hope for us all. Starting at verse five, Peter says, in the same way, you who are younger be subject to the elders. Commentators generally, for the most part, agree on this. Not, not everyone, but most agree that this verse is not contrasting the young and the old. Uh, Peter could have chosen different Greek words to, to, to simply refer to age. No, Peter is referring to those of lesser position or authority in the church, uh, many who are newer or younger in the faith. And he's saying, listen, it's not just the pastors that need to clothe themselves in humility. No, this is how God made the world to work. This is how, what we all need. The same humility that pastors need. In light of the chief shepherd, we all need it. Every Christian, every member of God's church. And then he says this, this one, be subject to the elders. Man, it, it, is, it is amazing how the Bible doesn't care about how offended our culture is by a sentence like this. Um, the Bible will continue to pile on in places like this. Hebrews says, uh, obey your leaders and submit to them since they keep watch over your souls. Be subject to your leaders. Obey your leaders. Man, our culture hates this sort of language. Submit, obey, yuck. I always ask this question of people as they come into a Redeemer, as new members come in, and says, hey, how many of you carry baggage from church leaders at a, at a previous church? And, and often many will raise their hand. And, and to that, I'm just only able to say, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. 
Because the church, the leaders of, of Christ's church are meant to be a grace. And then I say, but I wish that I could tell you that the elders of Redeemer will never disappoint you, will never fail you. But that won't happen either. It's not reasonable. We are imperfect. We will fail you. We will disappoint. However, authority done rightly, good shepherds, good pastors, good parents, even good government, though imperfect, these are God's grace to his people and not a source of pain. This makes me think of another modern problem that we have is in this day and age of massive cities and huge population centers, suddenly the church, there's many Christians. The church is so big that there are sheep everywhere, which means, particularly around here, there are sheep everywhere, which means there are shepherds everywhere. And because we're Protestant and our churches exist, many of them autonomously from one another, uh, we now have a situation where sheep can move from flock to flock, from shepherd to shepherd, and, and, and they will say things uh, like, you know, nah, I, was, I was good with everything. It was a great church for me and my family until one of the pastors just said this. Um, or, man, the elders disagree with me on this. This secondary issue, we just couldn't agree on it. Um, and, you know, they said something I, I didn't care for, and, and, and they, led, they led the church in a direction I, I didn't, I didn't want to go. And because it's so easy, because there's so many options, and because we're such good consumers, the conclusion is, I probably just need a different pastor. I probably just need some different shepherds. And look, I'm not going to tell you that there are no good reasons to, to leave and to change a church, because there are. But that reason should never be because you didn't see eye to eye with every decision of the shepherds. Why? Because guess what? You'll go another place and you'll never see eye to eye with every decision and, and, and plan of those shepherds. And isn't this how the Lord uses leaders? How he uses them. He, he uses them to change us, to challenge our, our thinking and certainly church leaders can get off track because shepherd, shepherds of local churches are themselves sheep of the chief shepherd. They aren't infallible. Sometimes sheep in our church family are smarter than the shepherds. Hallelujah. And we always, that's why we always say, man, come to us. Come talk to us. We, we want to listen. We want to learn. In fact, this is, this is why elders are always, I believe, plural in the scriptures. There are always many of them. Why? Because the church needs many men so that the, the blind spots are fewer. But still, God in his sovereignty plants shepherds among the sheep. And I will tell you, this has certainly been the case in my life. I remember there were a few years back um, I had gone through, it was a number of years back actually, I'd gone through a, a, a difficult surgery and in the season afterward, I, I was struggling. I, I was struggling with uh, just anxiousness. Um, I was distracted, probably, probably experiencing some depression. Um, and it was leading me to, to in, in many ways, I was, I was dropping the ball on things. I was, I, was, I was just not engaged the way that I needed to be. And in, in that moment, I was a sheep who really needed some shepherds. And the elders, they, they came to me, gently asking, how are you doing? Providing correction, providing mercy. 
And in that moment, I, I was a sheep too. And, and the other elders, the other elders of our church, Pastor, Pastor Barry, Pastor Brad, I'm excited about these new guys who are considering eldership. Uh, the, Pastor Barry, Pastor Brad, those guys, they are my pastors. They are my elders. They have to shepherd me. And what I needed in that moment was a caring shepherd, some caring shepherds to, to look me in the eye and say, you're not seeing this thing about yourself right now, but we want you to see it. We wanna help lead you. We wanna help guide you to the mercy of Jesus, to feast on the greener pastures of his grace. We want you to be restored. And in that moment, what I, what I didn't need were some new shepherds. Hey, you guys just don't get it. Like I, 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 what I didn't need was to justify. What I needed was to listen. I needed those shepherds. I needed to hear from the shepherds that the Holy Spirit put in my life. And listen, the shepherds won't be right a thousand percent of the time. The Lord knew this when he gave us earthly shepherds. And this is why Peter is pressing them. Hey, you need to lead well. You need to lead under submission of the chief shepherd. But now he's gonna press on the sheep a little and say, follow well, submit well. In a time of suffering, don't add greater suffering to the body, greater grief to the shepherds. Don't, don't always be the contrarian. Disagree, yes. Reason together with the elders, absolutely. But ask the Lord, why, why God, in your providence, did you place these shepherds in a position of leadership and authority in my life for this moment? Where, where do I need to grow from the things that they are telling me? Where do I need to listen instead of talking? Where maybe might I not even understand the full picture? Maybe, maybe I just need to, to listen and trust for a moment. And I'll tell you this because, because I've lived it. I, I've walked it. I, godly shepherds who lovingly correct you, who to redirect you, shepherds who will stand on the hill in your life and see the wolves that you're facing, the destruction that you're not even thinking about yet, that sort of shepherding is a blessing. It's not because shepherds uh, by nature, the, the elders are smarter or better or more gifted. No. Will you sometimes help the shepherds to see things? Absolutely. And certainly elders must be qualified to lead, but by God's sovereignty, he gives us the ones that we have. The elders you have here at Redeemer, the shepherds you have, we are a very imperfect means of God's grace. But God's grace nonetheless. And he's placed us here by his spirit for you. So that each of us might know the great shepherd more. And then lastly, Peter speaks to us all. This is such an amazing way to end this text here at the, at, the, at the tail end of this passage. He says, all of you, every one of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. And he's saying, it doesn't matter if you're a leader in the church. It doesn't matter if you're a member of the church. Whether you teach classes, whether you serve as a greeter, whether you are a staff member or a new believer, there is only one great shepherd so all of us need to get low. We've got to get low. Humble yourself. Why? Because God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Humility is not applauded in our culture, 
But if there is a trait that will mark a powerful work of God's grace in a church, it is a church family where humility is part of the air that we breathe with one another, where there are no big shots, where there are no chests puffed out, there is no bravado. Without humility, we will despise suffering. We'll say things like, man, we deserve better than this. But with, with, uh, but the humble one, the one who trusts the Lord in suffering, look what happens. He says in verse six, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so he may exalt you at the proper time. What a promise. God has a mighty right hand. God, our shepherd, has a mighty right hand. And that is terrifying to the proud, Peter's saying. But for the lowly, for the humble, for the poor in spirit, his mighty right hand is for you. You don't have to be afraid to humble yourself, to go low, because in his strength, he will lift you up. You don't have to call shotgun in this life because he's going to seat you in glory in the next one. Are you exhausted? Are you tired? God's mighty right hand is strong enough to help you stand up again to strengthen your weak knees, your weak back. Humble yourself before the Lord. Pour your life out as a humble servant. Give everything you have to serve the people around you. And on the day of Christ's return, he will lift your weak, worn down, even lifeless body from the earth. And at that proper time, you will be exalted into glory. He will lift you up with him. So don't be afraid to go low now. Don't be anxious about finishing last in this life. And and when you are fearful, you can cast your fears on him. You can take your burdens to him, Peter says, casting all your cares upon him because he cares about you. As one of your shepherds, as one of the pastors here, hear me today, Jesus is the most caring shepherd and he cares for you. He is not standing over you, prepared to crush you when you falter. You are not so far that he doesn't care about you anymore. No, he stands with you, over you, ready to pick you up and carry you back to green pastures. Maybe you can't even believe that today, but it is true. He cares about you. He doesn't care what you can produce for him. He cares about you. He isn't interested in what gifts you bring to the table. No, he cares for you. He isn't embarrassed to be seen with you when you mess up. He already knows it all. He knows how you've messed up and he still cares for you. He isn't even annoyed with your worries, your concerns. No, he cares for you. So go to him. Bring what worries you. Bring what bothers you. Bring your sin to him. He is your shepherd, your pastor. I want us to close by listening to this song about him. King David wrote it. You've probably heard it. It goes like this. The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for his name's sake. 
Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you. There is no one who shepherds us the way you do. And we are fully safe, fully protected. No one will ever snatch us from your hand. These are promises that are precious to us. And we know them to be true. Would you help us where there is unbelief, where we do not trust you as a good shepherd? Would your presence in our church uh, make humility a, a mark of the people of God here? And would that mark the leaders here? Would you help the elders of Redeemer, the pastors here to, to shepherd well, to lay their lives down? And would that be something that occurs throughout our body, that, that we would be those who serve one another, who lay our lives down for our neighbors, for one another, for the glory of the risen one? And we trust that one day you'll exalt us, you'll bring us up. So we love you. God, lead us today. We thank you for all of your many graces. We pray this in Christ's name, amen.